words. Very powerful things they are, um, and we have uh, ways of using them correctly and incorrectly, but uh, uh, words are there for a reason. Um, my, um, let me say this, uh, since Friday, uh, it's just been me and my son, Cannon, and my one-year-old, Roby. And so needless to say that my house has been the quietest it's been in a long time, right? The two girls that talk the most uh, have been, are gone. You know, one I sent to um, uh, grandma's, the other to Guatemala. I'm not going to say which ones, but two of the four are, oh, and Maisie, she's on a, uh, at a basketball tournament. So uh, the three of them are gone. Um, and and we're, yeah, I'm using my words. She's not here to hear them. Okay. But listen, uh, words are, are, are important. And when I say, you know, our house is quiet, I can't be any more um, authentic than that. Our, let me show you a video, just a, just a kind of quick video to show you what my life is like. You laugh. Um, But here's the deal. Here's the deal. I don't know if you noticed that. But those headphones weren't plugged in. There was, she's holding the end in her hand. There was no song. It was just Rio. And and I can't make it up. I mean, she had a song in her head. That's my life. So uh, as parents, Jody and I have never had to use the word uh, or this phrase, use your words, Rio. She always had words. Um, But studies, studies have shown uh, uh, they have studied how many words we use a day, um, and they compared men and women. How many words do you think women use daily? It's got a number out there. Just stay. How many? Thirty thousand. Anyone else? It's it's twenty thousand, which is a lot. Twenty thousand words are what women use uh, per day. Guess how many men have? Twelve, three, four, uh, seven thousand. Seven thousand is the number. So a third. Um, and here's the deal. I have four women in my house. There's no space for my 7,000 words ever. So um, I look forward to Sundays because I get to talk. So here we go. Um, But words are a huge part of of who you and I are, who we are as a church. Uh, Some of you, you teach or you lead teams uh, at your work or you coach or you blog. Some of you are self-appointed full-time Facebook opinion posters, right? Um, But as a faith community... Our mission, words are very important in what we do. We use words to reach out, to reach up and reach in. And so we're communicating messages with our words. And so turn with me to James chapter 3. If you have a Bible, James chapter 3. I'm going to read verses 1 through 12 for you. Here we go. It says, 
Let not many of you become teachers, my brethren, knowing that as such we will incur a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body as well. Now, if we put the bits into the horse's mouth so that they will obey us, we direct their entire body as well. Look at the ships also. They, uh, though they are great in size and are driven by strong winds, are still directed by a very small rudder wherever the inclination of the pilot desires. So also the tongue is a small part of the body, and yet it boasts of great things. See how great a force is set aflame by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, the very word of iniquity. The tongue is set among our members as that which defiles the entire body and sets on fire the course of our life and is set on fire by hell. For every species of beast and bird of reptiles and creatures of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by the human race. But no one can tame the tongue. It is as restless, evil, and full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth we both blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be this way. Does a fountain send out from the same opening both fresh and bitter water? Can a fig tree, my brethren, produce olives or vine produce figs? Nor can salt water produce fresh. I had uh, Doug bring me an example to show you of a horse bit. Doug has horses. And so this is a horse bit. And Doug tells me that horses can range from anywhere between 1,200 pounds and 3,000 pounds uh, there. And this bit controls that horse. Um, I'm taking it home. Uh, we'll see how it works on Rio when she's home. But uh, um, this, this bit is what it controls the house, uh, all, the entire horse there. Um, we also, you know what a rudder is. You've seen a rudder, and that small rudder can control the boat, the direction of the boat. In the same way, our tongue and our words can determine the direction that we go in life. And if you can control your mouth, you can control your life. The words that we use shape our life and they shape the lives of others. Why? Because we remember them. I sent out an email again this week asking people about their stories that they remember as kids. What were their experiences with words? What words impacted them? And each one of them had these stories of words that they can remember from being a kid. Some positive, several negative. So words are very, very powerful. So my question is to you. What words do you remember? From last week, last month, last year. Words from your childhood. Maybe they were nicknames that were given to you. Names that that caused you to maybe experience therapy. Or names that you gave someone else that now they're in therapy because of. I told you a, a little about my stepfather and I've told you even less about my biological father. But if there was a leather couch here, I could sit down and tell you some great stories. Some of the names that were given to me as a child. But here's what I want to do for us as a group. I want to have a little therapy session. On your tables are these yellow pieces of paper. All of it. There's a plenty for everyone. I want you to take a moment quietly by yourself to grab that piece of paper. And I want you to write on that piece of paper a name that you remember being given. A characteristic you remember someone trying to define you as. This is church and so we're going to do our best to be honest here. And I want you to get real. Your names aren't on it. But I need it for kind of for an illustration we're going to use. But you're going to take that piece of paper and just write something on there that you remember being said of you, said at you, told maybe from a parent or from a friend or a person that's not a friend. 
And we're going to collect that. So take a moment real quick together, collect leader, and write that word, and then we'll come back. So for me, um, an example uh, recently I've, uh, I've, I've had to deal with, uh, I say that lightly because it's nothing like what I experienced as a child, but uh, I've had people to me in the last few years say things to me like, hold on, I'm sorry, I'll let you guys finish. All right, okay, I've had people say to me, I got the mic, that's why I have the mic. Um, I've had people say to me, hey man, Jeff, your messages are getting better. And I'm like, what does that even mean? You know, I mean, how bad was it before, right? You know, how, what, what do you mean? And so I understand that those words were meant to be encouraging, but when we replay words and I replay that conversation in my mind, those words get twisted, right? And I get offended, I get, I get uh, self-conscious about those words. What? You saw in the video, what are you supposed to say when your wife says, uh, ask you about her genes, right? There's no winning that conversation, right? It's like a trap. But if, I don't know if you've realized this, but we could break 50% of the Ten Commandments with just our words. 50% of the Ten Commandments we could break with just our words. I was having lunch with a group of tweens. Uh, girls last Sunday, it was Maisie's birthday, and she wanted to invite a few friends out to lunch, and so we got there, and I'm listening to them them talk, and I'm um, trying to keep up with them, and at some point, they were describing a boy in their class and talking about him, and they, instead of using his real name, they, they had this nickname they, they used for him, and I stopped them, and I said, you know, what's going on here? Why are you calling this kid this name? And they're like, oh, it's okay, Dad. He even calls himself this name. He, he likes it. You know, he, that's how he identifies himself. And I said, I said, girls, listen, it's still not what you're supposed to do. Because in situations like this, that you might be laughing on the outside. He might be laughing on the outside, but it's a whole different story on the inside. We, we have to tell better stories with our words. And one of the worst lies we tell our kids, and what we were told as kids, is that sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Because words can hurt. But I really want, I want to look at words. I want to look at how we use our words wrongly today. I want to talk about three different ways that we, we tell bad stories with our words. And here's the first one. When we let the wrong words form our identity. When we choose to let words that people have given us, that have been spoken about us, reign over our life. We've committed adultery. God's word must have ultimate authority in our lives. We have given other people in our lives more authority uh, when it comes to defining who we are than what God says we are. And when you give your own words or other people's words more authority and you don't let God's uh, truth trump everything else, it's sin. Then, then what happens is when people try to compliment us, they, they try to encourage you and say things, we just ignore it. Or we just nod and we say thank you. But we still let those negative words reign in our lives. We, we don't listen to other people. You say that, but, but I, yeah, that, that's great. I, I appreciate you saying that, but I know that I'm ugly. I know that I'm stupid. I know that I'm fat. And people tell you you're beautiful and you ignore it. And somehow, somewhere, you let the words of someone else define you. What God thinks of you must be the only way you see yourself. Turn with me to Psalms 139. Psalms 139. 
Verse 14. It says, I will give thanks to you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And my soul knows it very well. We have to let God's word define who we are. But you don't know me. You don't know where I've been. You don't know what I've done in my life. I, I deserve some of those names I've been given. I've been, I deserve some of those things that people call me. There's nothing beautiful about me. And my past is there to remind me of that. And this is where you have to let God's word, God's truth speak. And trump the authority that you've given to other people. So when we let words that people say about us or say to us form our, our identity, things have to change. And for some of you, it may require forgiveness. You may have to forgive in order to let go and to move on. And in Ephesians 4, it talks about being kind and compassionate towards each other and forgiving others as Christ has forgiven you. In uh, Wikipedia, forgiveness is defined like this. It is the process of concluding any resentment, bitterness, anger towards someone or something. And not just forgiving others, but forgiving yourself. And this may be one of the hardest things we could ever do. But you have to, you must release those words that were said of you. Apart from God, we are all sinners. Broken, separate And Jesus died for all of that. And now we're called his own. We're called sons and daughters. Beloved. Worthy. Chosen. Are words that describe us now. And so we need to let go of some words. We need to forgive someone. We need to break the power of those words that they've had on your life. And replace with the word of God. And if you can forgive. Those words will no longer Define your life. Another way that we we use our words uh, wrongly is when we use them to inflict pain. When we choose to harm, punish, or shame someone. To point fingers or use words to put people at a disadvantage. And we do this a number of different ways. But let me first make this clear. There will be times when words... When we speak truth and we're honest, those words will cause pain. Honesty hurts sometimes. Some pain is necessary, and we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. But what I'm referring to is that when we choose to use our words as weapons, maliciously or carelessly, you get that. There's a little bit of a difference there. We, we know we're doing it at times, then there's times that we don't know, and we're just, we're just, we, we do it without knowing. And here's the deal. Sometimes... People are just mean. We're, we're mean. We say things, we, we hurt and we cut and we take shots at each other. You know it. You do it. I do it. Uh, in our relationships, in our marriage, at work, school, church, in the paper, on Facebook. We sling rocks. We shoot arrows. We throw stones fully intending to hurt the other person. And sometimes we say things that we don't even know we're being mean. We just open our mouth without thinking, Right? It's like taking a loaded gun and swinging it around the place and not worrying or or not wanting to hurt anyone. But if they get hurt, well, they probably deserved it. Most often this is done after we've had maybe a a bad day at work. 
you know, we're tired, we're, we're frustrated at something else or someone else, and we take it out on the wife and kids, right? Leave me alone, stay away from me. Or we say things like, you always blank, or you never do blank. And we fire off these words, and they're like shots of venom. You remember that illustration of the tree I showed you a few weeks ago, if you were here, covered in thorns. The, the sap was poison. The, the fruit would explode. No one wanted to be around that tree. And when we use our words to hurt people, no one wants to be around us. We explode like the fruit of that tree, shooting uh, sh- uh, spiny sharp seeds 150 miles an hour to the closest people to us. And for some of you, that's a, that was a message that you sent out this week. And for others, you've been on the receiving end of that message for a long time. You look back at your past, and maybe it was a father or a mother who took a verbal belt to you on a regular basis. And when we use words to intentionally hurt, we are inflicting major punishment that people will carry for years. Here's some ways that we do it, and and some are malicious and some are just careless. First is we lie. Your your boss at work asks you if you got the project done. You're like, yeah, I got it. Note to self, finish the project, right? And I mean, small little lies. You clock in a few hours uh, extra here and there. I can't be there this morning. I'm sick. I'm sorry. I wanted to be there. Today, you're going to run into people who aren't here because they forgot to set their clocks ahead, right? You know, and really, you're the only cell phone that didn't automatically update, right? So we, we small, small lies. Maybe we exaggerate sometimes. Maybe it's to get people to like us or for people to feel sorry for us. And so the story changes every once in a while, right? We add to it. Maybe we boast. We take credit when we don't deserve it. We, we're constantly talking about ourselves. Uh, we're metaphorically pushing in the line to get to the front. Another way is sarcasm. And this is a huge weakness of mine. We want to say something to someone, but we don't. So later we joke about it, hoping that they get the message, right? And our sarcasm, when it's more than a joke, it becomes an underhanded jab. And it's deadly. Everyone might be laughing on the outside and we give ourselves permission to do this because people are laughing. But really, on the inside, people are dying. So note to self, sarcasm is not an excuse to be a jerk. Another way is gossip. This is what gossip is. We have a conversation about Joe without Joe, right? You know, and we do it all the time. Uh, we say things, uh, things Joe would, should be ashamed about, right? We critique Joe. We share stories about Joe that might be embarrassing to Joe. Issues you have with Joe that only Joe can fix. Questions you have about Joe that only Joe can answer, right? Not you, Joe. There's another Joe. I know you're the only Joe here, but it's not about you, Joe. So we'll talk about Joe later. <laughs> so, but in one of our recent staff training sessions, they, they, the guy talked about, you know, if you let a gossip on your team, don't be surprised when you're the next one they gossip about, right? If, you, if they gossip about other people when they're with you, who do you think they're talking about when they're not with you? You, right? Matthew 18 Verses 15, 16 gives us clear instruction of how to handle a situation if you have an issue with somebody. To go to them. If they don't listen, take someone with you. But you go to them. 
Because when you don't, there's dysfunction in the relationship. And by the time it gets to the right person, it's too late. It's, it's now toxic. Turn with me to Luke chapter 6. Verse 43. For there is no good tree which produces bad fruit, nor on the other hand a bad tree which produces good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For men do not gather figs from thorns, nor do they pick grapes from a briar bush. The good man out of the good treasure, uh, the good man out of the treasure, good treasure of his own heart brings forth what is good. And the evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth what is evil. For his mouth speaks from that which fills the heart. This is good versus evil. And it's the reality of your heart. And so what comes out of your heart, if it's angry and bitter, if your words are full of anger and bitterness, right? It's if you're a dishonest person, if you stretch the truth, you're prideful if it's just about you. Gossip, when you have a hard time shutting your mouth about others when they're not around. Just listen to the way people talk. It will tell you a lot about their heart. So watch your words. You may be killing people without even knowing it. Turn back to James chapter 1. Verse 19 says this. This you know, my beloved brethren, but everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. Drop down to verse 26. If anyone thinks himself to be religious and yet does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this man's religion is worthless. So how do we bring healing to those moments when we've, when we've used our words to hurt? But we apologize. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I wasn't honest to you before. I'm sorry that I exaggerated. I'm sorry that I was frustrated and I took it out on you. I was angry and I, and I said the wrong things to you. James 5, 16. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. That's a part of a, a forgiving and apology is, is confessing to each other. But what if, what if we're already here? It's, it's Sunday. We're, we're already at church what do we do then? Well, turn with me to Matthew. Matthew 5. Verse 23. It says, therefore, if you are presenting your offering at the altar, you're at church, you're worshiping, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your offering there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and present your offering. See, God is interested in our hearts, not our behavior. And he wants to know, do your words bring life or death? So there's someone that God wants you to call today. There's someone you need to reach out to. 
The third thing, the last, the last way that we're talking about how we use our words wrongly is when we choose to remain silent. You and I have people in this community where we've held our tongue because it might be uncomfortable. It might be embarrassing for one of us. Or we, we, we think, we, well, there's no way we can help their situation. And we see our friends, people we love, headed down the wrong path. And we watch them. We, we are what the truck drivers call rubberneckers. You ever hear that? They sit there and they watch an accident. And they watch it and they watch it and they watch it. Until they end up in their own accident, right? We need to be first responders, How can we help? What can we do? The opposite is true. For you and I, we're guilty of not speaking out when we need help. And this is the self-reliant part Jody was talking about last week. We got this. We don't don't need anyone. We We don't even need God. And our lack of communication as a community is killing others and ourselves. Here's here's one big thing, and this is big with dads, I'm sure it's big with moms. Moms too, but here, as a father, I ask my kids, do you know, do you know that I love you? I, even, I asked this to Maisie on Thursday. I was taking her basketball practice. I said, Maisie, do you know that I love you? And she says, yes, Dad. I said, how do you know? She goes, you tell me all the time, Dad. If my dad would have asked me that at any point in my childhood, I would not have had the same answer because he never told me that. Not one time has he, had he ever told me that. It's one of the things I promised would be different when I had a son. He would have no doubts that I loved him. How would your kids answer that question? How would your, how would your wife answer that question? How about your parents? Oh, they know. They, they get it. I'm here. Do they? How do they know? Some of you need to say it again more often or for the first time. Who, who needs to hear those words from you today? Some of you need to hear it. Fathers, do not be too cool or too manly to tell your kids you love them. Your words will shape who they become. Words have the power to destroy or create. Words are very powerful. And so is silence. And words are very important to God. When the God of the universe chose to create, what did he do? He spoke. He could have snapped his finger. He could have winked and nodded like the genie, right? He could have clapped. He he could have done anything, but he spoke and there was light. And when he created man, What did he do? He breathed his breath into him. He breathed the power to create into our lungs. Proverbs 18.21 says, The tongue has the power of life and death. And Jesus teaches us how to use those words like he did. And that was to give life. I want to invite the band to, to join me on stage, and we're going to go into a, a, a short time of worship. This will also be our, our giving, giving time here. If you're visiting today, we ask that you don't feel obligated to give, but a connect card, let us know you were here.
But I'm going to invite you to close your eyes with me. We know words are powerful. We've used them to hurt, and they've been used to hurt us before. And so as the next moment happens, and the band plays a song, I want you to begin to let God move. Begin to show you where you've let yourself misuse words. And begin to allow yourself to forgive yourself and to make the steps towards apologizing to seeking forgiveness. Some of you are, are, have been victim of words. Your whole life you've been defined by other people and you've not let God's love define you. Today I'm challenging you to let go and to let God and his words define you. To let go of the past and cling to the truth that God loves you. That you were fearfully and wonderfully made and that he loves you. Some of you, there's people in your life where you've got to start talking. Quit holding your tongue. To speak truth and love into them. To walk beside them. To share with them. To confess with them. To guide. Some of you need to open up and admit that you need help. That you're broken and you need help. So as this song plays, we're going to open up the front altar for you if you want to come and let go. This will be a time for you privately to spend time in worship with God. God, take these next few moments. Break us. Show us your love. Embrace us. May the words of truth echo in our hearts that you created us and you love us and that we're made new. We set our brokenness aside. We worship you.